Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'd rang up in June, July time. I had severe, excruciating ear pain, and I thought I had uh, ear infection. I got called back and they, they prescribed me some drops. And then a week later, the ear pain was still there and my face was all going numb, you know, over my eyebrow, over my nose, all the left side. I'd had a bit of an episode where I um, felt a bit paralyzed. You know, I'd gone to get up off the dining chair and go off up to the bathroom. And I'd got to the stairs and it, it was like my legs just, it was giving way. I crawled to the top of the stairs, lasted maybe five minutes. I walked back down, able, normal. But there was lots of things that went on that just weren't getting any better. In fact, some things seemed to be getting worse. The numbness then had gone into my um, left foot. If I was being creative, I just couldn't get things right. I'm quite skilled, you know, and I've won awards making cakes and my hands and my brain just weren't in sync. I've always experienced numbness during a migraine and slurred speech. I laid for six hours on the sofa. I've got my oldest daughter's 17, so she kind of took the reins that day with my younger children. I could not function. So the numbness would go and then it would come back. It was like an ongoing cycle. Normally, I'd have a migraine, take some paracetamol, and it would just fade off. But, oh, this just would not give up. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Some people can have strokes without realising. They're called silent strokes, and their symptoms can be difficult to identify. A silent stroke can affect your memory, movement and balance and can still be detected on a brain scan. In this episode we'll hear from Bobby Ann Hutchinson from Lincolnshire who suffered a stroke at the age of 38. I had a bit of a year last year and lots of different like health problems and I'd had a few chest issues and things at the end of March and then um, things just got progressively worse so prior to last year I was really healthy I was training for Edinburgh Marathon in May. Then like the floor below me started to, it just went steady. It was very much like my world became a bit like a simulator. I was there, things were always in motion. Watching TV was really, I couldn't keep up with if there was an action movie or something like that. And my eyes didn't seem like they were working properly. So I took myself off to the optician because I thought oh, my GP was hard work and I'd, I'd kept complaining of numbness and things like this. And I was being like passed off to a nurse. So I'd, I'd rang up in June, July time. I had severe, excruciating ear pain and I thought I had uh, ear infection. I got called back and they, they prescribed me some drops. And then a week later, the ear pain was still there and my face was all going numb, you know, 
over my eyebrow, over my nose, all the left side. So I rang again and I was like, I need to be seen. My face is numb now and, and this can't be right. I did eventually get an appointment and nothing was seen in the ear. And I'd suffered a cold sore prior. So she prescribed me some acyclovir, you know, tablet form. And then I, I rang back two weeks after I'd finished the course because this numbness still hadn't gone and it was in my hand. She really didn't want to see me. So she passed me over to the practice nurse. So I went to see him. I was so desperately like trying to get some form of diagnosis or some way just to make me better. I was clutching like a um, handful of paper with different symptoms and things that I'd had, experiences that I'd had over those few weeks. And um, he referred me on to rheumatology. I had a, a little girl that died of a brain tumour. So I was fully aware that numbness and speech and things like, you know, like the vision was not normal. And I did say to him, I'm not saying I've got a brain tumour, but these symptoms seem to be quite neurological. He was great. He really was great. He gave me gave me some pain relief and off I went on my way and he was going to see me again in a few weeks time. So on my second visit, I'd expressed that he'd given me codeine and uh, paracetamol because he did offer me uh, antidepressants and I was sobbing at the time and I said, I'm not depressed, I just just want to be well, I just want somebody to listen to me and and help me be well, this can't go on, you know, I've got children, they need me. With the pandemic, you you worry about all of that as well. He prescribed me some pregabalin and, and sent me off again and he was going to see me in four weeks. During that time, I'd had a bit of an episode where I um, felt a bit paralysed. You know, I'd gone to get up off the dining chair and go off up to the bathroom and I'd got to the stairs and I, it was like my legs just, it was giving way. I crawled to the top of the stairs, lasted maybe five minutes. I walked back down able normal but there was lots of things that went on that just weren't getting any better in fact some things seemed to be getting worse the numbness then had gone into my um, left foot if I was being creative I just couldn't get things right I'm quite skilled you know and I've won awards making cakes and my hands and my brain just weren't in sync so during that time I um, moved GP he upped the medication that the nurse had put me on. And then four weeks later, it was like Halloween time. And in front of the children, I poured lemonade all over my dinner plate. Now, all these little mistakes I'd made prior to this, like bumping into door frames or dropping things repeatedly, nobody else really noticed. But at the dinner table in front of everybody, when you're pouring lemonade all over a dinner plate, instead of into your glass, there was no hiding. So they giggled a bit, the children, and we just made a joke of it. And after that, I emailed the new doctors again, expressing what had gone on. And a GP from there rang me and said that he wanted to send me off with some MRIs of both my um, neck and my head. And they didn't happen till January 2021 this year. So it was like a good 10-week wait. While waiting for her MRI scan... Bobby Ann experienced severe migraines. I've always experienced numbness during a migraine and slurred speech. I laid for six hours on the sofa. I've got my eldest daughter, 17, so she kind of took the reins that day with my younger children. I could not function. So the numbness would go and then it would come back. It was like an ongoing cycle. Normally I'd have a migraine, take some paracetamol and 
it would just fade off. But, oh, this just would not give up. Six hours later, it was like tea time and I cracked on a bit making tea and off I went to bed later. So then if we fast forward back to January again, I had the MRIs and then just carried on life as normal. 26th of January, so a couple of weeks later, I'd been in for some physio because I, I, I suffered musculoskeletal pain around, around my ribs. While I was there, the physio did a full neuro examination. At the end of the examination, he said he wanted to chase up my MRIs because I'd not, not heard anything back. So off I went home, just as normal. My husband had been in hospital that day, so I dropped him off that morning. I had my physio come home. And then around half five, I got a phone call from the GP to say that they'd got my MRIs. He said I'd had multiple strokes. They were all on the right side of my cerebellum. I wasn't to drive. He couldn't express how much of a serious situation it was. He was referring me on to the stroke consultants. And I would hear from somebody within seven days. I'm in shock. My husband's still in hospital. You can't drive. I'm going to pick him up. I'm at home. The children are worried about the dad. And you're trying to keep everything together when inside everything's falling apart. Because stroke was something I never dreamed of it being. And then the following day, I received a phone call from Scunthorpe from a stroke doctor telling me that he wanted me to ring 999. As daft as that sounds, I didn't really understand the seriousness of it because I wasn't like a typical stroke patient that desperately needed a 999 ambulance. I said to him on the phone, I can get a relative to bring me, you know, I don't need to ring an ambulance because Scunthorpe Hospital from where I live is 45 miles. He was like, no, you must ring 999. You've got to come by ambulance. I come off the phone, come down, told my husband, packed a few things for an overnight stay and then rang the ambulance. And even when they came, because I answered the door to the paramedics, they were a bit hesitant about taking me. And while they were here, my GP called and he wanted to speak to them and he was he was very stern in that he wanted them to take me they must take me and while they were sat here off he went on the phone and he contacted the stroke doctor that had rang me and then rang back again and said you know you've got to take this lady to Scunthorpe so off we went it seemed a bit surreal a bit crazy there was lots of blood work lots of examinations of like my vision, my balance. They wanted to know a bit of the backstory that I could tell them. I was there nine days. I was only 38 and everybody around me were like elderly ladies and they looked really poorly and I, I felt almost like I was taking up a bed. I had more um, MRIs. They did an MRA to check out all the vessels and things in my head. Her neck and came back with the fact that there'd been a dissection in my vertebral artery, which would have been responsible for throwing off the clots into my cerebellum. I um, I didn't really understand this. So they kept me in still because I was still experiencing numbness in my left hand and they were worried about any swelling and things because it's like so close in proximity to like your brainstem and things and what the implications of any of that could be. So really, I was there just to bed rest. On the way, Bobby Ann talking about how the stroke affects her vision. 
um, watching TV and, you know, if you've got yourself comfy in a position on the sofa and you tilt your head one way, my vision changes. Or if I'm a passenger in the car and I, I'd like look to my husband, I get numbness all over the left side of my cheek. It's still playing its game in a sense, you know, this little artery that's not fully healed. The OTs said that they will rescan it. She said, then the fun begins, Bobby. And the impact of fatigue. And still now it's like I'm drunk or I have days where I feel like I'm hungover. And I'm not hungover, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. I'm just, if I've done too much for a few days, I crash. And that crash is dramatic to a point that you can't function. So to look out for those those symptoms, those points, and be able to to guide it, you know, if they needed help. If you think there's something wrong, then seek the help and not give up. And afterwards, keep the spirits up, keep the battle on. Let's hear how Bobby Ann is continuing to recover from her stroke. I'm taking a blood thinner and a statin. They did lots of like young, they call it young bloods because because you're under a certain age. So my cholesterol levels are all okay, but it's just literally to keep blood flowing so it, it's not going to get a chance to stop anywhere. So they think that the average time for, for that to heal is like up to six months. Although we now know what it is, we're also in a position where the artery being torn limits like my therapy right now because I can't be giving my neck no fast movements. So that vestibular like treatment that they want to give at the moment, it's just my eyes moving fast up and down, side to side. I have to do lots of tandem walking and sidewards walking, lots of little games like catch and closing my eyes and finding objects on tables and things like that. I'll be rescanned come the six month mark, and then we can up the therapy. Then you see, although I I am quite steady, multitasking is really difficult. So cooking was such as simple as that sounds I would drop things all the time or you know bending down into the oven to pick something out because I'm bent down if I'm not concentrating on my balance of me in that position and I'm concentrating on what I'm pulling out I would wobble I would fall or I would drop whatever I was pulling out of the oven I'm still unable to drive we're nearly six months on now aren't we and I'm not allowed to drive my car because of the need to change gear and keep my eyes on everything and moving my head if I'm sat um, watching TV and you know if you've got yourself comfy in a position on the sofa and you tilt your head one way my vision changes or if I'm a passenger in the car and I'd like look to my husband I get numbness all over the left side of my cheek it's still playing its game in a sense you know this little artery that's not fully healed the OTs said that they will rescan it. She said, then the fun begins, Bobby. She said, it, it don't get, it's not pleasant, but you know, all the shaking of the head and things, because a lot of my therapy is repetitive. So, like rolling a ball backwards and forwards or picking things up, because bending over, my, my world was very much like vertigo in that bending over to pick something up, I would go. I would just go forward or hoovering. It's like my nemesis. It's it's awful. I've fallen over hoovering. I've got the hoovering motion. I'm watching it move. I've, I've got my head down. I can't explain how how that makes me feel. And it, it's just, that's a normal everyday activity that we all take for granted in a sense as your daily activity and 
be part of your cleaning up. Bobby Ann thinks you should pay attention to how you feel. Listen to your body, right? So I knew there was something wrong. It was so difficult, so frustrating. So you've got to listen. And it's not always a case of a face drooping or tremendous numbness. I was walking around, driving for six months before anything was picked up. And you have to listen to to your body and, and never, ever give up. And then once you're there, it's like now, the events happened and we know what it is. I have to be positive and I have to show my children that we can overcome anything. Never give up the fight. The emotional impact of a stroke, I was not prepared for at all. I understood the the therapy of of retraining my brain to pick things up and, and balance and do just the normal things that I would do in everyday life. But the emotional impact has has been so overwhelming. There would be a time when I would drop a full tray of food or or like a chips or something like that. And then the other day I only dropped a couple and my elder daughter, it was like my voice coming out of her mouth kind of thing. She was like, mum, it's just a few chips. And she was right. For the family and the support unit for whoever has got to have that positivity for when you're at your low points. and be there to pick you back up to we can do this or we'll find a new way or just to wrap their arms around you and hold you. The signs, if, you, if you're looking, if you've got a loved one and they start to bump into the door frame more than once a day or you notice that they're dropping things and they, they look a bit clumsy because that's, that's how I was. It, I was like, it was like I was drunk and still now it's like I'm drunk or I have days where I feel like I'm hung over and I'm not hung over. I'm just, I'm just exhausted. I'm just, if I've done too much for a few days, I crash. And that crash is dramatic to a point that you can't function. So to look out for those, those symptoms, those points and be able to, to guide it, you know, if they needed help, if you think there's something wrong, then seek the help and not give up. And Afterwards, keep the spirits up, keep the battle on. It took more than six months for Bobby Ann to get a diagnosis for the strokes that she experienced, but she's now embracing her recovery. Once she gets the all clear from her next MRI, she'll be able to properly start her occupational therapy programme. Please do subscribe to Stroke Stories and rate and comment on the episodes you hear. And if you are or you know a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,